Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 173. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the acclaimed writer and artist of the Crime Busters comic series, Scott Harris. Thanks Scott. for having me. It's good to be back. I appreciate you bringing me back. It's been yeah, quite a while. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And so when we were talking before we went live that I have... Uh, I've been a huge fan ever. I've always been a fan of the golden age of comics. So when I first discovered you, when I first met you a few years ago um, at the comic convention, I saw you had this and then you're, then you released your, I believe it. What it was is I, I bought issue two cause I was too, it was too, it was too late for me to, to catch your catch the Kickstarter for your first issue. So I have issues one, Issues two and then issue three of Crime Busters. And yes. I'm excited. I just backed the newest Kickstarter for issue number four with the Which Krampus. I appreciate it very much. That I'm really excited that I'm a huge fan. And I think what it is too is like Scott, what I love about what I love about your series is the ancillary things that come with it for instance you're when when i first backed issue number two i got a pin i got like i got the whole i got the and then get the some trading cards involved in it too so that's always been fun it's just the immersiveness of the world that you've created which you've picked up from from the from boy comics which is a golden age comic which and i remember i follow you on on, on youtube do you have the entire series yet I do, yeah. So wow, okay. Boy right. Comics, it ran for 117 issues from 1942 to 1956. I do have a complete run of all 117 issues, and my series, The Crime Busters, it picks up the continuity. So um, it starts in 1956, uh, where the series originally left off. Chuck had, was just uh, in his second semester of his sophomore year. So at the beginning of The Crime Busters, number one, we have Chuck starting the first semester, the fall semester of his junior year in the fall of 1956. And uh, you don't need to have read any of the um, original series, but I do pick up continuity elements, characters. Um, a lot of it's, you know, frankly, it's a lot of it's for my own fun um, because, mm. you know, there aren't that many people that have read the original series and know these characters, but I figure, um, you know, why not bring in a character that, you know, appeared in issue 116 or something. If I need it, if like, if I need another student, for instance, in the story, there are other right. students that appeared in those issues where he was at college. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy doing stuff like the trading cards and the pins, you know, because it's set in the 1950s, I wanted to have, give it that feel of what it was, you know, like to, um, read the comics at the time and so uh i have the the fan club membership kit and it comes with like a certificate for joining the crime busters fan club and you get you that's know not, stuff like cool. the button and and things like that like you you would have got the time and the trading cards in particular i'm a big fan of in fact let me just show you the trading cards that i that i do 
um, are all designed to look like the original trading cards that Lev Gleason publisher put out in 1951. So here's one of the originals from 1951. Okay. And so when I do my trading cards, I have the same design with the, uh, the white frame, the yellow border and the original cards. I don't know if you can see it, but they have up here, this says set number two, there was right. originally five sets of cards. So the ones that I'm printing, they start with set six. Mm. So, you know, just the conceit that it's continuing the stuff from the past. And again, it's mainly for my own enjoyment um, because the number of people that even are, you know, are aware of those cards um, is very small. I do have one person that reads the comic who was like, I've got to get those cards because he has a complete set of the cards from 1951. So that's always, that's really fun. Um, But uh, there's a lot of stuff I put in there just because I love the original series and I love the characters. And I just, you know, that's why I started doing it to begin with is I just, you know, it was in the public domain and I thought, you know, I wish the series had continued. So I'll just continue it myself. Right. Now, how much of this as you're doing this is a are you doing this as you're, you're writing these series? Because I remember last last episode we talked about you you did have a certain number of issues you want to produce, and if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, it was you wanted to round it up to an even number, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm still working towards that. So right, uh, because the issues take so long for me to to do, I try and have each issue be a self-contained story so you can pick up any issue and you'll get a complete story but there are things that sort of build from issue to issue in the background like subplots and character arcs in particular Hmm. and my goal is that i've got a 30 issue arc for that's going to be the whole series and so it's a really interesting creative challenge as a writer where i'm trying to write stories that make sense as a single issue that also makes sense in a five issue arc because i'm going to be theoretically i'm going to be gathering each five issue arc into a trade right and then also into a 30 issue arc so i have a certain themes and character arcs in these first five issues and then i've got the next five issues sort of blocked out and again you can read each individually um you're not it's not going to get to the point where you need to have read the previous issues until issue 10 really and then things are really going to it's going to change a little bit at that point but that's still a ways off in the future right and so, so talk to us a bit about, uh, I wanted to jump in and, and, and look at what you have going on here in this, this latest Kickstarter. Sure. Um, so as I say, congratulations as well. You got, as of this recording, you got about a week left on it and you've already surpassed your goal. And I think you're tapping on the third stretch goal already. Is that correct? Yep. That's right. So, um, uh, it's been going pretty well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I, I specifically made this Kickstarter longer than the previous ones. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very happy that like, today I just got to 70 backers. That's how many backers I had for issue three. Wow. Issue three came out in 2020. So it was like right at the height of the pandemic. Frankly, I didn't have the energy to put into the Kickstarter to doing all the like promotional work. And right. uh, people just didn't have as much money. So that w- I was down in terms of backers from issue two to issue three. I sort of dropped down. Um, but, you know, it seems to have rebounded. I, I definitely have gotten some backers back from issue two that missed issue three. They've now come back in issue four and they're getting issue three as well. Because you can get all four issues here if you've missed any of them. And it's, it's really like I have a spreadsheet with all of the backers who have ever bought my comics 
So I know everybody's names. And when I see, when a backer comes in, I can see, you know, who's backing it. And it's, it's really gratifying to me to see the names of people that I recognize people that have back that have supported me in the past, particularly, you know, when people are coming back, you know, I might not have seen them on the last, you know, two couple of Kickstarters, but they're now they're, now they're back. It's, it's just nice, you know, just people that I don't, I, you know, have never met. I don't know what they look like. All I know is that they've been generous enough to support my comic. And so like, you know, I'll see this name come out and I'll be like, Oh, it's that person. It's, you know, it's, it's just very happy to, to see those people, you know, coming back. It makes me feel like, you know, that they're enjoying the comic. Uh, you don't get a whole lot of feedback or I don't get a lot of feedback. Um, even with my mailing lists or my, you know, my social media stuff, I get very little feedback on the comics. The feedback that I get is that people come back to buy the next issue. So, right. You know, and that's, I guess the most important feedback. Right. So, it's it's interesting when I look when I, you, you look at this is that you have uh, issue for your regular cover you've got for and as I say that the, the prices are are still pretty on par from what what you got and also too is this is a always you always produce a fairly large comic book too this isn't a yeah that's right so this is thirty six pages um, yeah. last issue is actually thirty eight pages. And they're densely plotted. Like there's a lot right. of dialogue. There's a lot of plot. Um, I, I draw in an Archie style. And so I've taken some of the layout, page layouts from Archie books. So instead of like a typical modern comics, usually a lot of them have four or five panels. Most of my pages have six um, classic right. Archie six panel grid. And so um, it, it's a lot, you know, I've had, I've had people tell me that it's taken them an entire hour to read one of my issues. Uh, <laughs> and I've had multiple people say, you know, it's like a half hour and uh, you know, with independent books, a lot of times the price point can be a problem for people that are used to only buying like Marvel and DC books because they're always going right. to be more expensive when we're making them ourselves. But I feel like, you know, you can read your typical Marvel or DC book in five or eight minutes or something. Whereas it's going to take you a half hour to get through one of my issues. And so hopefully people are, even though it's more expensive, hopefully they're getting, you know, their money's worth. Yeah. And like you said, they are, they are pretty dense. And, uh, and so what, what's really good is that you do have, it looks, you have 11 backers coming back. Um, and then plus your, your, your legacy variants, um, th that you, you do, which I love. Cause those are like, for those that are, that are appreciate the collectible piece to it. Uh, what's also interesting too, if you look at your, 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 your ketchup bundle, there's six backers on there. That means there's six new readers. That's right. That yeah. you have. And I've also gotten, uh, one thing that's happened the last two or three campaigns I've run is, uh, I think, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or, or what, but people I'm getting more and more digital backers and higher percentage of digital backers. So mm. I've actually got, I think 10 or 11 digital backers that are also getting the, the catch-up kit, but they're getting the PDF version. So I've, right. I've got probably 20, at least 20 new readers that are coming in new. Right. And uh, that's very exciting. Um, yeah. So there are, there are a lot of options. I love doing variant covers. Uh, and so every issue I have four covers, I've got the regular cover and then I've got the Kickstarter exclusive, um, which this time around is um, an homage to the 1975 Marvel uh, superhero holiday 
treasury edition and those <laughs> those kickstarter exclusive covers are the same price as the regular covers um but they have the legacy numbering so they carry over the numbering from boy comics mm. and then i also do uh the premium variants which um you know my two main characters are chuck chandler the the main character from boy comics and then i also created trixie trouble who's my homage to like nancy drew and trixie belden and veronica mars a sort of classic you know girl sleuth Right. And so I have a series of covers for that focus on each of them. The Trixie variants are all designed to look like the old Nancy Drew book covers. And they all feature Trixie as the main character on the cover. And then the boy comics ones, of course, they have the logo and the numbering from the original boy comics series. Uh, and Chuck is the main character on those this time around. It's, you know, it's, we're up to issue 123. Um, so it's issue, the fourth issue of the revival and, um, one of the artists that worked on boy comics originally was Joe Kubert. And since I, this part of there's a flashback in this issue to world war two. And so I'm like, you know, Joe Kubert's famous for all of those world war two covers that he did at DC. So this right. issue with the boy comics variant, it's a tribute to Joe Kubert because I took one of his sort of classic designs for a cover, but I did it with the crime busters. Um, and uh, you know, I, there's, different audiences you know there's right, definitely right. a subset of people that are big fans of like nancy drew and stuff and they will prefer to buy the trixie variant over anything else i do have there are people that are um, into public domain superheroes and golden age superheroes and, and they want to buy the boy comics variant so right. um I, I have some people that buy like the full set of all the covers but generally speaking you know it tends to be people buy one you know one or the other there's like different lanes um so the they they appeal to different collector sort of bases but also again a lot of this is i uh, these are things that i like so i'm kind of doing it for myself when i when i first started my idea was to continue boy comics right. so i always wanted to have the boy comic logo and numbering but eventually i was like you know um it is 2022 now and um that title doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to bring in the readers that i'm looking for uh and so i decided and the numbering is a problem you know for some for some subset of collectors they don't want to start on issue 123 because they'll feel like they missed too much so i decided i'm going to start i'm going to change the series name to crime busters and i start with issue one but i still wanted to honor the, those legacies so i was like you know what i'm going to do these variant covers even if nobody else buys them i want them for myself right. and uh, i figure if i'm doing stuff that i like there's going to be other people that like it so right no and that's i think that's something that's that i really appreciate too is 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 your ability to um as you say, it's, it's being able to put out as, as a, as a wider audience, but also what I love about what I loved about what I love about crime busters is that it's, there's a little bit of educational and historical significance on what you're doing as well. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that? We mentioned in the last episode that you, you, when we were, we were, we were chatting about how you've kind of tweaked it for a modern audience. Sure. I mean, one thing that I try and do is like um, it is set in fifties and I don't want to be beating people over the head with it. You know, sometimes when you watch period like movies and shows, they have these like really blatant, like 
it's in this time period and you can tell because of all the stuff that we have in your face. And, and I try to avoid that, but I also am a w- try and stay aware of like, you know, what, what the people at the time would have been talking about. Um, I tie in, I try and tie in like current events and stuff right. in the background. Um, you know, issue three has the main plot is about sort of the red scare in the 1950s. And, um, there's little things in you know, this issue for the one that's currently out. Uh, it takes place at Christmas. It's the big Christmas dance. And so there's a scene where they're dancing and there's people talking about, you know, hoping that the band plays the new Elvis song because <laughs> 1956 is the year that Elvis really broke out as a big star. Um, little things like that. Uh, and just like, you know, in the issue two in the Halloween, there was like a kid with a, with an Eisenhower mask that he was wearing. He was dressed as Eisenhower for Christmas and, um, so I, I try and do that, you know, I, I want to, um, but as you mentioned, I try and update things a little bit for modern audience, like just changing the title from boy comics and frankly, just having female characters. So right. as much as I love the original series, it, the whole idea of boy comics originally was that it was, uh, aimed, it was all boy lead characters aimed at boys. So all right. the lead, all the characters and all the strips of boy comics originally, were boys between the ages of seven and 14 and the series. Was, and so the comic was for that readership. And as a result, if you read the 117 issues of the, of crime busters stories, and there's more stories than that, because some issues he had two or even three stories. So right. if you read all 200 crime buster stories from the golden age, there's only one recurring female character and she only appears in three issues. Oh wow! Uh, and it's right at the end when he's in college. So there's there's one girl who's in three, uh, a fellow student, um, who shows up in three issues. There's no recurring female characters in the entire series, and that mm. just not only does it not work for modern audiences, it doesn't work for me. So mm. that's why I created Trixie, and you know it's very important to me to have Trixie be not a sidekick but but a co lead, and that's another reason why I wanted to have the variant cover with her since I knew I was going to be doing the boy comics. I wanted to keep it balanced um, because she is um, just as important in Chuck. In some ways, she's actually secretly kind of the main character. Um, but, you know, I, I want to have, and there's other things, you know, I introduced the character of Vera, another female character um, who's a black character. You don't really get any um, minority characters really in the original series. Mm. Uh, and there's certain things where I was like, um, I don't want as much as I want to have the historical accuracy from the 1950s setting. There's certain aspects of the 1950s that I don't want reflected in my stories. Right. Cause right. that's not when I'm writing Vera as a black character, I, I don't want to be bringing 1950s sensibilities to the story. So there's definitely aspects where I'm, I'm writing it as a modern writer for a modern audience. Hmm. Um, but that's not to say that we won't touch on those things when necessary. You know, there's certain like historical events that I want to, that make sense to tie into the stories that we're telling here. So for instance, you know, eventually we're going to get to the fall of 1957 and then we're going to have the stuff um, with the school integrations in little rock. And given that our characters are in college, that's something that makes sense for them to be talking about as part of that story. So that's something where we'll, we'll address that. But for the most part, like, I wanted it to, um, even though it's set in the fifties to, to 
be approachable for modern readers. Um, and, you know, as a modern writer myself, th those are just naturally my sensibilities. So, right. So how much of the, as you, as you're putting this, as you're putting these series together, how much of this is, as you feel like you're a, a love letter to the series and how much of this is uh, a feeling of mission to continue telling the story? Um, it's a good question. I would say it's, it's more of a love letter. Um, the further I get into this, the series, um, the further I get away from the source material just mm. just naturally because i'm getting further and further away i'm introducing more of my own characters changes are taking place to the characters that i'm bringing in from the original series and you know i have stuff planned where you know by the time we get to issues 10 or 15 it's going to be pretty far afield from where it started and the original story so um well you know i'm very passionate about the character of you know crime buster and i want to continue that legacy i also um don't want him to be sort of stuck in the 50s he, for me the character has to grow as a character hmm. and when you when you read the original 117 issues there is a little bit of a character arc for him he goes from my reading from about 13 years old to about 18 over the course of that series right um and so he does change a little bit but but not that much uh, and so one of the things that I'm doing in these, in this first, you know, sort of five issue arc is I'm exploring Chuck things that came up in the original series that struck a note with me on a character level, but were never addressed because of the sensibilities of the time period, you know, mm. um, you know, Chuck's a character who I, I always call him a, a middle-class Batman. He has a very similar <laughs> origin to Batman where uh, his, uh, parents were both killed basically in front of him and uh, he wasn't able to save them. And so he becomes a vigilante except for because he doesn't have Batman's um, money. He just uh, is basically just goes off and does it as a kid. Like he doesn't mm -hmm. have the, he can't go into 20 years of training with all the world's experts because he, right. he just doesn't have the, those resources. He can't get a bat cave. He can't get the gadgets, you know? So he's just like a boy scout who's trying to do the right thing. But, you know, the only real character sort of thing with Chuck that is explored at all is the fact that his, whenever he runs into his arch enemy, iron jaw who killed his parents, Right. He kind of loses it a little bit. Um, and which is understandable, but they never really sort of explore that. And so what I'm doing on a character level, you know, and, and these are very plot heavy stories that I'm doing, but there are character elements that I try and naturally work into each plot. And so this first arc is really a lot of it is about Chuck sort of dealing with the death of his parents um, in a way that he, that he, was not able to do as a kid, you know, mm. um, and sort of acknowledging the pain and grief of that. Um, and I think that's a very natural thing that a lot of people do, particularly, you know, people who lose their parents when they're younger, a lot of times they're not able to really process it until they become adults. Um, you know, while I was working on the second issue, my father passed away. And so a lot of this is, um, it's very personal stuff that I'm sort of working out through Chuck, 
but it's also it makes sense for the character like i always wonder reading this that he gets so angry you know whenever iron jaws around but we never see him sad or uh, contemplative he's not in the original series he's he's not introspective he's a person of action Right. And so one thing that, you know, I'm doing is with Trixie um, is someone who challenges him to sort of think a little bit more ab about why he's doing, taking certain actions. And that's, so that's something I'm exploring here and we're going to get further. So it's already kind of getting further away from the, from the original tone of, of the series, but hopefully, you know, building on that legacy. Hmm. And and do you and I, I noticed too is like you did have a bit of a pause with the fact that you came out with a a one shot the Uncle Sam yeah so um, I have a lot of stories that I want to tell and I just <laughs> don't draw fast enough to do them all myself so with Cthulhu versus Uncle Sam my I brought in another artist guy by the name of Jay Piscopo um, mm. who's out of uh, Portland and. Um, the idea was basically uh, had some other stories that I want to tell and Jay could sort of basically do, be working on the art for that while I'm doing the crime busters. Okay. Um, it unexpectedly did take a lot more of my time than I thought it would, which is one of the reasons that the new issue crime busters took so long to do uh, because just running the Kickstarter and all the fulfillment that Kickstarter had a, a lot more backers than crime busters um, because it's a sort of a high concept. It's much easier for people to understand. You just right. see the title, you know exactly what it's about. And there are a lot of people that are Cthulhu fans. So, you know, for that, um, that first issue of Cthulhu versus uncle Sam, I had 186 backers and, and at $4,200. Wow. Uh, and so the fulfillment process um, of mailing all that stuff out, obviously much, much longer than it does is for crime busters. Uh, and just the result was there's basically turned out to be three months where I did not have any time to do any work on crime wow. busters at all. Um, and so that's something I'm working on now is to try and figure out ways to get crime busters out, um, you know, more regularly, you know, on a faster basis, it may involve hiring an artist to draw crime busters while I continue to write it. Um, right. But, you know, I'm still in the early stages. You know, this this issue of Crime Busters 4 is the first issue that's in full color. The first three were in black and white. Oh, and, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I hired uh, a – part of that's because I'm colorblind. So I knew that if I tried to color myself, it would take so long, and I'd end up with all the people would be green and stuff like that. And so um, it was just – didn't make sense. But – after the success of Cthulhu versus uncle Sam, I had uh, figured a, I had a build up a big enough base of readers where I could um, set a higher goal and get a little bit extra money to hire a colorist. And that's what mm -hmm. I've done here with issue four. And um, that saved me some time as well as being in color. Uh, it saved me the time of doing the shading. Cause even though it was in black and white, I would still do all, I'd have to color everything in, in different shades of gray. Right. And so um, this is something I'm looking at is bringing in more people to help me with different parts of the process. Optimally, I'd like to get to the point where instead of doing one issue a year, crime busters, I'm getting at least three issues out. Um, but I think it's, it's still going to be a little while as I try and find the right people. Um, but 
with Kickstarter, there's a, a bit of a snowball effect that you can have. The more projects you get out, the more back, you know, you bring in more and more new people to see it every time. And so your projects tend to get a little bit bigger each time. And so I'm hoping with the success of issue four here that I will have a big enough base where I feel like I can afford to then hire a full time, an artist to, to do the art. And if that's the case, um, instead of taking a year to draw it, hopefully I can find a professional artist that could draw, draw it in you know four months and then we can get three issues out. Right. But um, finding the right people that, you know, to collaborate with, uh, particularly on a budget can be very difficult. Um, mm. And crime busters is very important to me. So it's not something where I'm willing to um, settle for something like it, it has to be the right, the right person or else. I, I mean, I'd rather it come out slowly than have uh, a book come out quick, more quickly that I'm not happy with. Right. Uh, so uh, we'll see. I currently have an artist who is, is drawing the backup story for issue five right now. Um, and, uh, we'll see how that goes. Cause if, if, uh, it ends up working out between us, then I may have him do the whole issue. Um, and if not, then, uh, I figure, you know, um, Hey, I'll have the backup story done. And so I'm already ahead on issue five, you know, right. uh, but that's sort of where I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm not getting any younger, uh, that would be weird if I was. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I've got 26 more issues in this story that I want to do. And if I'm putting them out once a year, I wouldn't finish until I'm 75 years old. And uh, there's no guarantee I'm going to reach that age. So I figure if I want to get the story told, I, I need to figure out ways to get it out faster. Right. Right. And, and there's other stories I want to tell too. So Cthulhu versus uncle Sam, it does take place in the same universe as oh cool crime busters um if you've read crime busters three you know granny gumshoe is in there one of my favorite characters everyone seems to really like granny uh in cthulhu versus uncle sam it takes place in 1944 during world war ii but granny gumshoe is also in there and you see her teaming up with uncle sam to keep the nazis from summoning cthulhu and um the stuff that happens in those stories are eventually is going to be start bleeding into into the crime busters. Like there's a group of bad guys in Cthulhu versus uncle Sam called the Knights in yellow who are okay. the, the cultists. And we're going to be seeing them in issue five of crime busters. We're going to see what they're doing 12 years later. Um, and so again, you don't have to have read Cthulhu versus uncle Sam for the stories in crime busters to stand on their own or vice versa. But if you are reading both, then, um, then you'll get more out of both. Uh, you know, Uncle Sam is himself is going to be in issue six of Crime Busters when we get to there. And we're going to see a very different Uncle Sam because um, Uncle Sam during World War II, you know, the good war where we're the good guys and it's all raw, raw patriotism is very different from Uncle Sam during the Cold War. Uh, mm. And so we're going to see how the effects of, you know, uh, McCarthyism and stuff, how that, what that's done to uncle Sam as a person. So we'll be, so again, if you read both um, great, the second issue of Cthulhu versus uncle Sam should be out later this year. Uh, it's 32 pages full color. And right now I'm just waiting for the last six pages on, of art on that. So right. this fall, we should have issue two. Um, so yeah, I'm, Again, I've said this several times, but I have a lot of stories I want to tell. And so 
um, bringing in more artists that are able to tell the stories that I want to tell, um, like Jay is, is great. And that's what I, that's sort of where I'm trying to go in the future. I have more stories. I want to tell more spinoffs from crime busters. You know, I have a Vera solo story that I really want to do, but I have to find the right creative partner to do it with and stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, crime busters is always going to be the most important. That's sort of the, the flagship title. Right. And then, so as people are interested, you, they do have the add-ons where you can get, if you missed it, you can get the Cthulhu versus uncle Sam as a PDF for $6 add-on, or you get, you can get for $8, you can get the physical copy as well. That's correct. So if you've, if you've ordered a physical copy, um, with Cthulhu versus uncle Sam, I did a lot of, um, much more expensive premium variants. It was kind of a test just to see how it would go, but I did variants where it was like limited print runs. And mm-hmm. so some of those are much more expensive, but the regular comic is still the same price. Um, okay. Which it's a little bit cheaper as an add on uh, because a lot the cost of the, the shipping is mostly covered already and stuff like that. But um, you can see some of the other variant covers here that I did uh, that are a little bit more expensive. Um, right. But yeah, so th- those are available as add-ons. There's also like, there's one of the reward tiers that has all of the variant covers for un- for all of the issues, both mm. of Crime Busters and Uncle Sam. That's the highest tier. And so far, nobody's picked that one. But um, I saw yeah. that one. They uh, the one with everything, huh? Yeah. So that's got like, um, all of the Crime Buster covers uh, that I have. Um, cause right. some of the, some of the Kickstarter exclusive covers are sold out. Right. Um, and it's also got like the fan club membership kit, uh, with that one, I do a sketch cover where I'll draw whatever you want on a blank, um, crime Busters number one. And then it's got the set of all six of the Cthulhu versus uncle Sam covers. Right. Um, some of which are very low print run, like the, the Hulk 181 homage, the in the bottom right there um i only printed 25 of that and i sold most of them um so there's only there's only a handful of those left right yeah i saw that you only have um two you probably have you probably only have two left because you only have Uh, i have a couple available i think as add-ons as well um so i kind of split it because i figured some people might just want that one but i think right now i have no more than five. I think I have five left at the moment. Okay. Um, at some point I may free up a couple more because I do have my own personal like collection where I've kept a mm. few copies of everything I've done for myself. So at some point on special occasions, I may release some of those. So that includes some of the earlier like Kickstarter exclusive covers that are, that I'm sold out of. Um, right. Stuff like that. I may eventually release a copy or two. Um, for for new collectors that missed them um but uh yeah but you say as you say the one with everything's 255 dollars but if you do the math it's actually cheaper to buy that tier than it is to buy everything separately through the add-ons yeah it's also the only way in this campaign that i am um, offering the sketch covers because those do take a long time and right. with the sketch cover it's a it's crime busters number one it's a blank um so i'll draw whatever you want on it as long as it's not you know pornography um and, and i've had some very strange requests 
like uh the, the first, Ewok. The, yeah, the one that's shown there, the guy wanted my characters being eaten by carnivorous Ewoks. So um we have Chuck being attacked by Ewoks, and then I have Trixie dressed as Princess Leia in the background shooting them. Um for the last campaign, I had someone that wanted me to do um like a mystery science theater 3000 view cool. where we have the like you know the seats with the heads and she, right. I wa- she wanted the silhouettes to be her with walt disney and abraham lincoln watching <laughs> a 1940s detective movie where all of the characters were dinosaurs so uh so i did like this this like you know noir sort of thing where it's like a de- you know detective with the femme fatale coming in but they were both triceratopses uh so whatever anyone wants you know it's just those do take a long time so uh that's only available if you're getting that one with everything um uh, because otherwise i just i just don't have enough time to do it right well this is exciting i am i like i said i'm a huge fan huge fan scott of 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 the crime buster series and 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 as i say you got some really good tears on here and I'm already, as I said, I'm I'm already looking forward to reading issue number four. And as you said, so issue number five, you're working on as we speak, correct? Yeah. So I've got, um, I've got an artist doing the backup story and then we're going to see how it goes. Uh, optimally, um, if, if the working relationship goes well and I'm, I'm happy with his art and he's happy with the story and he wants to do it, then I may end up this is very tentative, but I may end up bringing him on to do the whole story. I have um, issue five pretty well worked out. And for those who've read the first four issues, issue five, um, as I mentioned, it's going to be co- the first five issues are going to be collected in the trade. So it kind of brings together a lot of the threads in the first four issues, brings them to a head. Um, and um, so we're, we're going to, and, and then we're going to have some stuff that sets up the next the next right. bunch of issues there's going to be there's going to be a couple of cliffhangers at the end so to oh, really okay. get in motion normally right. with the backup stories you know i really enjoy doing these backup stories that sort of allow me to give time to characters who don't have space in the main stories for me to give them a spotlight you know like mm. um like vera in issue two and right. um officer joe in issue three but and in issue four, we got Stu, who's been missing since issue one. We're going to go back and we're going to see what's happened with Stu wow. in the months since last time we saw him. Uh, but in issue five, the backup stories are going to be more setting up the next. It's it's more like it's going to be just some cliffhangers to sort of okay. um, tease things. So, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, Scott, I got to say congratulations on on hitting your goal. That's exciting. Um, and very excited to, uh, to have you come back on when you want to talk about issue number five. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, uh, again, uh, I'm really hoping that I can, that I can find an artist because like it, I love it doing so crime much. busters and it, it just, it's frustrating to me how long it takes me to draw stuff. Right. Um, I also, you know, my art's getting better, but I'm not a professional artist. And I feel like if I can find someone who can both draw faster and better, mm. um, and if, as long as I can afford that, um, then that's what I want to do. Cause I want to, I want to read these comics myself. You know, I want to, I want to have them out. I want to get those stories told. So hopefully next time we talk, um, you know, it won't be 
too long hopefully right. it'll be you know less than a full year and um hopefully i'll have some exciting new stuff to tell you about perfect all right well thanks a lot scott and and ho- hopefully we'll see you see each other again in a, in a few months What, what's uh what's the what's the color what do you what's your what's the crime buster color it's a blue is it red right is it a red uh chuck yeah crime buster his outfit's red white and blue it's red's the main color and right. it's got like a blue see and trixie's is white with with red and blue so how's that is that a good red i'm colorblind so oh, okay <laughs> all right well, well it's, it's a good yes. red it looks good to me <laughs>